Hello, everyone. This is Matt Yankovic. Welcome you to another Hoss Talks Foss podcast. I'm Percona's Hoss, the head of open source strategy, Matt Yankovic, welcoming you to another deep dive into the open source space. We really appreciate you hanging out, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, Sergey. Thanks for uh, joining me for uh, a quick chat here. Um, Sergey, you've been with Percona for um, a few months now, right? So you're fairly new. Um, yeah, it's like yeah. four months, I think. <laughs> four months, yeah. So yeah, maybe yeah. Get, maybe tell us a little bit about you and you know what you're working on, um, and then we can talk a little bit about these these awesome blogs that you've been uh, putting out there and some of the work we're doing around our Kubernetes operators. Sure, sure, gladly. So. As we mentioned, I joined Pecora like three or four months ago. I'm fairly new to Pecora and to open source community. I'm a product owner here and uh, I worked on our Kubernetes cloud and operators stuff. And um, before that, I was working in uh, a merchant acquisition business um, and we were acquiring lots of companies and we were putting them all on our central platforms, it was Kubernetes as a service, database as a service, uh, VMware as a service. It was quite an interesting time back then. And um, there I also started looking at uh, switching my job from engineering management to product management. Uh That is why I landed up here. And also I got interested in open source in general, how it works, how it makes money, what about the community, how to involve community into building awesome things. I was very curious about that and decided to join the corner uh, as an open source, I think open source leader nowadays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you were you were in this company that was that was acquiring companies and kind of moving them to their platform and Kubernetes was, you know, one of those, the, those basic, you know, uh, building blocks. Why, why is Kubernetes getting so popular? You know, you know, like you, you've you've seen this growth. You've been part of it. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's kind of an emerging technology. Uh, if we look back, how it started, it was first bare metal and servers, right? Then uh, VM VMs, virtual machines, were introduced, and they were introduced to pack things more tightly on a single server and make it possible to move them from one thing to another. And then Docker appeared, and Docker appeared to uh, answer the challenge of the market so that uh, people and businesses, they wanted to deliver faster and uh, to have smooth pipelines of software development. And Docker and containers jumped in just nicely, right? And then after some time, once Docker appeared, people started thinking, okay, now I have thousands of Docker containers. What to do with them? How can I move one container from one place to another? And then Kubernetes kind of jumped in and said, hey, you can do this everything here, right? You have a single control plane, a single entry point. You can just give me some YAML files and I will do everything for you, right? And now Kubernetes is kind of emerging and um, Sometimes it's seen as a silver bullet for most of the companies and they see Kubernetes can solve all their problems and uh, it's not, obviously. <laughs> and, what? Uh, wait, wait, wait. You you can't <laughs> just like solve world hunger, you know, war, famine, like everything with Kubernetes. I, I've been misled. I'm just telling you. <laughs> now, maybe you can, right? But 
<laughs> you need to apply some other skills to that as well. But um, Kubernetes is a good tool. It's just an automation tool that helps you to orchestrate your containers, right? Uh, but when small startup, which is just running an MVP, he says, okay, I will use Kubernetes. It's a mistake, obviously, right? And in this merchant acquisition business where I was at, uh, yeah, we were moving some parts to Kubernetes, but it was not like a lift and shift process. So when we acquired a company, it was running some data center. Obviously, you should not move all the stuff to Kubernetes because not everything can fit into Kubernetes. Uh, some stateless workloads, sure. Databases, we see with it's possible as well with operators, sure. But some other workloads, like super complex one for banking, you cannot run them there. It's not feasible. Like huge Oracle VMs, you cannot pack them into Kubernetes right away. You need to uh, smash them into microservices and then probably move them, right? So yeah, it's a complex process and uh, more and more businesses understand that they need Kubernetes to deliver faster, to ship the code faster to production and with the help of containers. And that is why this is emerging technology nowadays. And, you know, it's interesting, you mentioned databases because honestly, you know, you, you know this, containers and Kubernetes were never designed for databases originally. Correct. I mean, it's it's the add-on kind of effect. And, you know, similar, as you as you mentioned, you know, you start to get, you know, thousands of containers and you, you start to break out your microservices and you get just, you know, I, I know of companies that have, you know, tens or not hundreds of thousands of containers that they're running, you know, um, and, and just, you know, thousands of microservices all over the place. Um, each one of them wants a database, right? And, you know, as you start to build that, you know, developer, development enablement or the, the development pipeline ecosystem for your teams, the database needs to be part of it. And that's where, you know, databases are being pulled along, kind of kicking and screaming into that, you know, Kubernetes space and into that, you know, uh, DevOps automation pipeline. Um, and we've we've seen things like you know outside of Kubernetes as well, like Terraform, for instance, um, you know, and, and certainly you know VMware has their you know solutions. We've seen you know the Tanzu marketplace, you know, around yeah. there, um, and Pivotal, you know, uh, you know now kind of pivoting more towards Kubernetes. But you know, there's been a lot of s solutions that have been focused on trying to solve, you know, managing the the herd of not only applications but databases. And that's why, you know, it's really important um, from a database perspective to ensure that your databases are properly set up um, to, to use Kubernetes. And that's why, you know, the work that you are doing on operators is um, critical, uh, you know, to make sure that, you know, people can get stable, consistent, you know, performance and setups um, because it's kind of complicated. Yeah, it is, <laughs> definitely, but it's also very challenging and interesting. But um, it, you mentioned it correctly. So uh, Kubernetes started as a tool to run your stateless workloads. And uh, developers and operations teams, they were running stateless workloads in Kubernetes, and they had the data somewhere, right? Uh, if they're running in the cloud, it's something like Amazon RDS or whatever it is, some other tool. Uh, and uh, running database in a container, uh, even nowadays, is not a norm, right? People don't believe in it. But we see in the corner 
that already 80% of developers, they report that they run their databases in Docker already, right? So it's a lot and it's it seems like not a problem. And um, then you come to another challenge where you, you have your data somewhere on Amazon uh, or on Google Cloud and some uh, managed service and uh, you quickly need to move from one cloud to another. What to do, right? And Kubernetes, again, jumps in just nicely. It's a hybrid cloud-ready tool which can move your workload from one cloud to another with a few clicks, right? And that is where operators jump in just nicely. You have your database as a set of Kubernetes, YAML standardized, which you can move from one Kubernetes cluster to another easily, and it does not depend on the cloud specifics, right? You can just move it along. So yeah, running databases in Kubernetes is, uh, I would not say it's fairly new concept. There are some other companies which are running their DBAS platforms in Kubernetes, and we want to do the same because we see that it is requested by the community, by the customers. Okay. And so what kind of challenges have you been running into? I mean, you've only been here, you know, the the, the four months-ish, but as you've, you know, gone out and started to work on, you know, the operators, you know, it's it's not always easy. Um, you yeah. know, you mentioned it's a challenge. So what are some of the, the common challenges that you're running into? Well, um, I, I think if we talk about operators in general, without touching the databases, I believe the biggest challenge here is uh, quality assurance QA. Because um, uh, when you write the code for Kubernetes, whether you for operators specifically, you need to test a lot of different variations. Like uh, you need to test various Kubernetes versions. You need to test uh, various uh, database versions. If you have a database inside, you need to test various uh, flags in Kubernetes, like service type, load balancer, whatever you have there. And there are like hundreds and maybe thousands of permutations that QA needs to think about and test them. This is the general operator's problem and Kubernetes problem, I would say. And uh, the challenge with the database uh, in Kubernetes is that uh, initially when I just joined, I thought, okay, well, what is it about? It's just running a database in a Docker yeah, yeah. container. Just run it, like set an image and you're set. But it's not, right? And uh, uh, I saw some products outside there which do exactly the same. They just think that, okay, if I put my Docker image in, in, in Kubernetes and run it there, it will work and my database would work. It's not, right? So you need to build a lot of code around that to support the database itself. Because uh, uh, if you just think that Kubernetes can manage the data very well, right now it cannot, because you, you will lose data if you just think you can run your database as it is. It's the stateful application that a database is, right? I mean, that's yes. really yes. the driver. So you, you, you've wrote this blog and I know a lot of companies are buzzing around the buzzword edge computing. Right. You know, sure. it's, it's, it's something that is, you know, it, it's, it's a legitimate, you know, thing. Um, you know, and for those who are watching who don't know what edge computing is, it's, you know, running 
you know, machines as close to the source as possible. So if you've got multiple locations, you have machines in each location. So, you know, you wrote an article on uh, running Kubernetes on the edge. And um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about, you know, that and your thoughts on, you know, running, you know, multiple Kubernetes clusters in different locations and running them as close to that source as possible. Sure, sure. So uh, uh, Kubernetes uh, is a, an orchestration platform, right? And uh, when I first heard, heard about the edge, I never thought about Kubernetes being a good tool for that. But then I read some articles and uh, I ran some experiments and I saw that it's a pretty great one. And the, the, the reason for that is the edge is, as you said, is just bring your computation power closer to the source or your end devices. I don't know, you have a camera, a doorbell, whatever it is connected as an IoT device to the internet. And you need computation power to support that. I don't know for what, maybe for a doorbell, you have video encoding or something like that. You need to do it there, right? And uh, Kubernetes just helps you to bring this computation power closer to your devices without changing your development pipelines or whatever. You don't need to invent anything new. You don't need to think, okay, how do I ship an update to my doorbell? How do I ship an update to my video server? You just have a Kubernetes and it's a standard YAML file thing. You just ship your YAML file and you're done, right? So this standardization of Kubernetes kind of uh, works super great if you want to build your own microcloud or you want to manage hundreds and thousands of devices right away. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, um, sorry to interrupt, but I mean, I think no. where it's interesting is it's that portability, right? It's the drop it into the different locations and you can expand and shrink as needed. So I think that that's, that's really- Yeah, great. yeah, exactly. Yeah, portability is great with Kubernetes as well, correct. And uh, in general, sometimes people ask, okay, why, why do you want to run Kubernetes and not just simple containers? And the answer is, if your system is complex enough, like you have not only one container, but you have 10 containers to support your system, you need Kubernetes because Again, you need some orchestration to move these containers around. So this is why. So Sergey, let me finish with this question for you. You know, are there technologies or trends that you're either excited about or concerned about um, that are happening, you know, right now? Um, we're trying to look forward. I like to ask this question because that way people can understand, you know, what the experts are seeing. So are there certain trends or technologies that you're extra excited about or are really concerned about? Okay, okay. One of the technologies that I, I am, I'm really, really excited is, uh, I will say Kubernetes again, <laughs> but uh, Kubernetes is a control plane to manage not only containers, but uh, VMs as well. Mm. So um, I saw it, there was a project called Project Pacific from uh, VMware and they renamed it to Tanzu later on, and uh, now it's called Tanzu Grid, I think. And it's super cool because it allows you to manage all your infrastructure, current and the new one where you want to migrate to containers through a single Kubernetes control plane, and you don't need to change anything at all. 
you just move your workloads from PM to container seamlessly. It's super great. And uh, I believe this would be a game changer for huge enterprises, which are currently stuck with uh, legacy bare metal data centers and some, I don't know, mainframes, and they want to move forward to some new emerging technologies. And this whole thing will help them a lot. I'm really excited yeah. about that. Yeah, that's really cool. Like if you can manage VMs and containers, flip between them seamlessly, that, that has benefits because there's a lot of times VMs are better than containers. Containers are better than VMs. And so, you, you know, you've got to be able to pick the right tool for the right job. Yeah, correct, so that's correct. Cool. As, as I said, I don't believe in Kubernetes as a silver bullet. So VMs will stay there for some time for sure. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, all right, Sergey. Thank you for sitting down with me and chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. Um, and let us know if anything new and exciting comes out. We'd love to chat with you again. And we'll be looking forward to uh, checking out your, your blogs. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. Yep. This has been the Hoss Talks Foss. I'm the Hoss, Matt Yankovic. I want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you'll subscribe to this podcast and listen to future episodes. We appreciate everything that you do to make open source awesome. Thank you.